We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits it again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the wins the In 49 states... It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All facts. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast. We are not just celebrating the Pacers 116-110 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies with Fachi. We are celebrating episode number 800 of Setting the Pace. My God, how did we get here so fast? I have no idea. It truly blows my mind. I remember when you and I hit our 100th episode, and that felt like such a big deal. Like, oh my God, I remember we were like, what are we going to do for 100? Like, it's got to be, we got to get this like unbelievable guest and this. And then years later, hey, here we are at 800. It's It's just truly amazing, and I really... Could not be more appreciative of all the listeners that stuck with us through this time. Because if no one's listening, there ain't no 800. I can tell you that we would have stopped a long time ago. So shout out to the listeners. Absolutely. And we do have some awesome videos that some fans sent in. And they just wanted to congratulate us on making it to episode 800. So I will play those at the end of this episode after we recap the game. So if you're looking for that, stay tuned because it's just really cool to hear from the fan base and hear what they think about setting the pace. So we really appreciate every one of you guys taking your time to send those in. But Fachi, this was a great way for us to celebrate episode 800. Pacers on a three-game winning streak. And not only have they won three in a row, they snapped three winning streaks in a row. The Sixers had won six in a row. They snapped that. The Suns have won seven in a row. They snapped that. Memphis, Memphis, the team that's not been very good this year, 
they have been on a three-game winning streak. Pacers snapped that without two of their you know five starters. So I, I think we can say that this Pacers team, they're playing some really good basketball right now. The streak snappers. Uh, I mean, right now, it, it's been great. And I know, selfishly going into episode 800, I was like, don't go in episode 800 losing to the Memphis Grizzlies, like <laughs> B to C team, you know, anything like that. But Indiana handled business. And yeah, you mentioned they were without Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, and TJ McConnell. Those are three, you know, essential pieces of this team. You know, McConnell has provided great minutes. The other two are starters. So I thought that this was a game that had a little bit of everything. You had Indiana falling behind in the, in the first half. It looked like Memphis was really in control. Pacers go on a 14-0 run in that second quarter, really make it close. And then they came out the gates hot in the third. And I thought, just like we've said before, it was a collective effort today for the Pacers. Six players in double figures getting it done. Absolutely. I mean, it was a team effort. And just to kind of highlight all the injuries that, that, that were before the game, like T.J. McConnell, personal reasons, could not make it. Rick Carlisle did say that he had a sick child. And, you know, he said he might be able to make it into the game, but they weren't counting on it. So he was questionable. Miles Turner, lower back spasms, I believe it was. So that's something to monitor. We know that we've heard been... about that back for a while now. We have. Yeah. And Turner's well, managed been... it, but, you know. There's been some back problems, you know, with different players this year. Jalen Smith has missed time with back problems. Uh, Andrew Nimhard's missed yep. time with back. So, you know, we just got to make sure what's going, you know, keep an eye on what's going on there, but definitely. There are some back problems going on with this Pacers team. But then Tyrese Halliburton, there was a lot of expectations that maybe he would play in this game, return from the hamstring injury, because Rick Carlisle on that Tuesday when they returned did say that he would be out for the next three games. Well, this is the fourth game, so an extra game here now missed for Tyrese Halliburton from the original uh, ruling of him being out. I thought that it just kind of was a little bit of like, okay, when is he going to come back? Rick Carlisle said that he will practice on Monday before they head out to Boston. And if he's feeling good, they're going to see from there. But basically after practice, it's going to be a day-to-day -day injury with Tyrese Halliburton. So that's something to monitor. But you mentioned it, just having so many of those key players out that play a, a pivotal role, it allowed for other guys to kind of have a, a bigger opportunity here. Isaiah Jackson got more minutes. Jalen Smith takes the start at the center position. Uh, ben Shepard, once again, gets more minutes as the backup point guard. You know, So Andrew Nimmar, the only real true point guard in this game, kind of looked very similar to when T.J. McConnell was the only true point guard against Sacramento. Yeah, and I think that, uh, I mean, there's a couple of different ways that we could start. I mean, if we want to just start with Andrew Nemhard, you know, Nemhard is starting unit uh, the last four games, so they made the switch after their loss to Phoenix. Uh, Nemhard's responded. I know a couple games ago against Phoenix, you were like, ah, six turnovers. Like, Philly. I don't know. Against Philly, that, that's what I meant. Against uh, Philly, six turnovers, the eight assists. I mean, it, it just wasn't good. But I crunched some numbers. Since he's moved into the starting lineup the last four games, Alex, he's averaging 19 points per game, eight assists on 55% shooting. And outside of that six turnover game against Philly, the other three games, no more than two turnovers. Mm -hmm. So to seven to nine assists in that span. So Nemhard's really stepped his game up if i so every now and then i'll go back and i'll check the, the the youtube comments and everything and people they just think that we must be like cousins with them hard or something they're like <laughs> you guys always back him up he's played really good lately and he i feel like he's starting to get into a good rhythm looks like he's healthier 
And we talked about this guy had gone through various injuries to start the year. I'm really happy to see that it looks like he's hitting his stride right now. Yeah, and I thought he had some good moments earlier in the year, too. Like, he played for, like, I forget how many games in a row it was. But when Bruce was out, he played some really good minutes, mm -hmm. I thought, next to Tyrese. But now that he's kind of had to kind of shoulder the load there for the point guard position with the starters and then defend the other team's best perimeter player, it's it's not an easy task. No. So, you know, if you want to call us, you know, backers of Andrew Nimhart, you know, we're in his corner, we're always pounding the table for him. I'm sure I'm fine with that. I think he's deserving of that. He's a really good player. And he showcased over and over again why this team trusts him to be put into this spot. You know, 37 minutes tonight, that's a lot of minutes. Oh. And so for, for them to be able to trust him to do that, yeah, the shooting number is 5 of 14, not the most efficient in this game. But you love that he was able to get things done. And he honestly, to me, had the play of the game when he drove into the paint and he dished the Jalen Smith for the dunk to give the Pacers big. just a little bit of room with it being so back and forth. And the way that he made that pass, like, there was not a very clear window and he kind of just had to, he found it obviously, but it was, it was a very tight window and he made a perfect pass. And that's just kind of who he is. I think that sometimes people forget just how talented of a player he actually is. No, they, they really do. And nine assists to just one turnover tonight. Awesome to see. It just looks like he's someone that I don't, I don't know. Do you think there's a little bit something extra when he is in the starting lineup? Maybe it's a boost for him. Maybe it is for some other guys that it's like when he's in that starting lineup, it's like the I need to just give a little bit more. Like I'm I'm the I don't know, I'm the guy. I don't know, whatever it is. It's he steps up when he's in the starting lineup. And I think that that's awesome. He's obviously having a bigger role with no Tyrese Halliburton there. Obviously, no McConnell as well. But hey, he backed it up. It was great to see. And I'm I'm just encouraged by the play that we've seen lately, because if Nemhard could it's not even to say keep this up, but give us about 80% of this. We're going to be in a great spot. Yeah, I think part of it to me, Fachi, is last year, we, we know Andrew Nimhart was not really in the rotation to start the season, but then he got in there, I think a couple games into the season and never looked back. And then they made him a starter relatively soon. And I think that by putting him into the starting lineup so early into his career, he kind of settled into like being comfortable in that spot. So I think that for him, it might just be more of a comfort thing. Coming off the bench, it's a different type of role. And you're kind of asked to kind of almost be like TJ McConnell and bring like this extra juice, this extra energy. And maybe that's just not how Andrew Nim Nimhart is. He's more of just a methodical player that just kind of gets to his spots. But maybe him just getting in a rhythm is just something he likes to do as a starter. And maybe it's more of a beneficial for him to do that, that do it that way. I mean, he's had good moments off the bench too. Like it's not like he can't play off the bench, but I think maybe he just feels more comfortable in a starting role. And that could either be as the point guard or as the two guard, because that's something he did a really good job of last year playing next to Tyrese. No, absolutely. And it's just great to see him because, you know, we, we wanted him to have starting opportunities and obviously they've been hard to come by given where the Pacers have been at this year. But I think that he was a great fill in in the starting lineup. I know they went with McConnell a couple of games ago against Phoenix. And I just, I don't know. I, I like Andrew Nemhard when he's able to fill in for Tyrese Halliburton. Will that still be the case with a healthy Halliburton? I don't expect so. I don't. Mm. And I think before we talk about any any of the, you know, maybe negatives, there's still a lot of positives to to point out in this game. One of them is Ben Matherin. Yeah, I want to go there next. I, I think it's deserving so because sometimes, yeah, we are hard on him. But tonight, 24 points, led the Pacers as a plus 14. But what I always love is it's not the scoring. It's seven rebounds. Love when, when Matherin's crashing the glass. He did all this on 9 of 14 shooting, and I think that when the Pacers were really trying 
to get their footing in this game. Matherin had 19 points in the first half. I think he was a big part of why Memphis was not able to pull away in that first half. Yeah, no, I mean, Rick Carlisle even said that after the game, he was just like, look, he was like, Ben Matherin was so good in the first half. He was taking the right step backs when he needed to take the right step backs. He was making the right play and just praised his maturation as a player. Clearly, you can see in the plus minus how how impactful he was in this game, plus 14 on 24 points. So just a really good, efficient night from Ben Matherin. Didn't really force a lot. And, you know, he was getting hot so early on, you thought maybe he could be a little bit more forceful with the shot attempts, but he stayed within the system and he didn't get out of his element. And I think that's just another sign of growth that we've seen from Matherin because, you know, you watch a guy like Devin Booker score 62 points against the Pacers on Friday night and in a loss, right? So there's a, there's a, maybe a tendency to like, Oh, I can, I can have a night like this too. You know, I'm, I'm getting hot. I had 19 points in the first half. Like, okay, maybe I can get close to 50 if I just keep shooting the ball really well. I mean, I mean, that's how good Matherin looked. I mean, every shot he was taking, it looked like it was going to go in. So Matherin did a great job of not falling into that trap. And I'm not saying Devin Booker wasn't falling into that trap of scoring too much. I'm just saying Matherin could have maybe just got out of the system and, and tried to like four shots. But overall, I just love the way that he played. I felt like he was very tenacious. And this is a, a Memphis team. Obviously, we know they were shorthanded. Jaron Jackson Jr. is like the only like starter level player probably with the, that five that started tonight. And, you know, they're just really physical. And that's one thing we know about Memphis grit and grind. Like that's not really left their, you know, mentality. That's not, and that's who they are. So I just think that the Pacers really toughed one out and Ben Matherin was a huge part of that. He really was. It's, it's always great to see. I mean, we shared the, the stat, you know, maybe last episode about just how much better that Matherin is when the Pacers are winning. It's a, his play translates to wins. When he struggles, the Pacers struggle. It's like they look at him right now to be that scoring option off the bench. And I think that tonight was just a perfect example of Matherin being everything that he could be. So that was great to see. Then there's a few other performances that were awesome. Look, Pascal Siakam, I think, is really getting into a, a groove, a rhythm, whatever you want to say. He's doing it. 19 points, six boards, six assists. He had two steals. He does it on 8 of 13 shooting. I, he just looks like he's having fun out there. And I, I think that he really enjoys playing with this group. Ever since Siakam was able to you know, get that first practice in, it just feels like he's far more comfortable with this group. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just loving every second of it right now. Yeah. And I, and I want to go back to another thing Rick Carlisle said, and I'm sorry for constantly quoting Rick Carlisle, right. but when the coach talks about his players and he gives them a lot of high praise, I think it's worth listening to. And he said the last play of the game for them was one of the reasons that we traded for Pascal. You know, this was where Siakam slowed Jaron Jackson down on that, you know, one of those last possessions that the, the Grizzlies had. And that's where you see the importance of Pascal. It's not just, how versatile he is offensively, but it's how versatile he is defensively. We've seen Pascal now play the five at times. We've seen him play the three at times. We've seen him just kind of be utilized in different ways because that's what he can do. But in this game, I thought it was really in his pocket. He didn't try to overstep. And I think, you know, one of his first made baskets was like off a steal. So it wasn't like the offense was just like running through him or anything like that. So I just felt like Pascal, eight of 13, Really efficient night. Six assists, you can't make that up. That, that's just finding the right guy, finding finding the open guy. Six rebounds, not a crazy amount for a power forward, but still, I mean, he was effective on the glass. So a lot of guys had uh, good rebounding numbers. I mean, three of them had seven. 
and and Jalen Smith at 10. So having six, I mean, that's pretty good team rebounding. And that's that to me is a bigger plus than an individual having great rebounding numbers. No doubt about it. Before I get into the rebounding, I, you know, I had the numbers crunched over this three-game winning streak. Pascal Siakam's averaging just over 25 points per game on 65% shooting mm. from the field. I mean, he is he is as advertised and more. I love it that the, the playmaking has been there. I mean, six assists, four assists, ten assists in that span. The rebounds, a little bit all over the place, six, seven, and 13. It's like you're seeing that this is a special player that is affecting the game in far more ways than just one. But when you when you mentioned the rebounding, to me, that was something that was very out of the ordinary. We're talking about not only did six Pacers score in double figures. That's great. We've seen that a lot. Five Pacers. Having six rebounds or more, four of them with seven mm-hmm. rebounds or more. We've had games where our leading rebounder, there's one person with seven. You know, maybe Turner has seven, and everybody else has like four, five, six. But it, to see that was was very impressive tonight. And I, you know, I don't expect that to to uh, stick. But when you're talking about Matherin giving you seven boards, you're talking about Jalen Smith giving you, you know, seven, you know, whatever it was uh, ten boards tonight. Neesmith, seven boards. Isaiah Jackson, seven. It's just like that is a great collective effort. We've talked about this Pacers team does not have, you know, a juggernaut of a rebounder. You know, Turner can give you, you know, roughly seven and a half rebounds a night. Other than that, you don't really know where you're getting those rebounds from. So that was great to see. Uh, But one other thing that, that really stood out, and I had to look this up, was this a career high or not? Turns out it was. Aaron Neesmith. Six assists. I went mm. through all of his games. He had never even had five assists in a wow. game before. So this was very unlike him. And the four assists, you got to go back a couple of years. It was a few, it was like uh, it was like two seasons ago. Um, so just interesting to see. But Neesmith, sixteen points, seven boards, six assists, six of eleven shooting. I, I just felt like he's been he's just been awesome. And I, and tonight was one of those nights where what do you do when you're without three, you know, rotational uh, pieces. Everybody needs to step up. And I felt like a lot of guys stepped their game up. Aaron Neesmith was definitely one of them. He's become one of the most reliable pacers on this team. And, you know, the six assists, while that's a career high, you know, being effective on the glass and putting up double-digit points, that feels kind of like the new Aaron Neesmith, the norm that you're going to get from him. And you just got to love it. I mean, I couldn't say enough great things about how he played against Phoenix when I did the recap with Chris Tenary because – he just stepped in there, took some tough charges. He was guarding Devin Booker, had the block on the three that Devin Booker pulled up and hitting, like he was trying to shoot in transition. And then he just did a great job all, all over in that game. And then once again in this game, you know, uh, it felt a little bit more quiet just because he only had 11 shot attempts and it wasn't like he was like having to chase around like a prolific shooter in Devin Booker the entirety of the game. Because we know that this Memphis team, they did not have a lot of great players that he was having to guard. Like you're talking about Conchar, Williams Jr., Roddy, you know, maybe even Gigi Jackson at times, you know. So I just felt like, you know, Memphis, they're in a weird spot because they've got a lot of injuries and they're just trying to like hang on for dear life and develop while they're in the process of losing a lot of games and just not really being relevant like they have been the last couple of years in terms of trying to make a playoff push. But I just felt like Aaron Neesmith, super solid once again. You really cannot say enough great things about how he has played this year. And it just can, it feels like we're just, wash, rinse, repeat every time we talk about Aaron Eastman on this podcast because it's hard to find a whole lot of negative to say about him. 
you you really can't. And even if he is to have you know a bad game, two bad games, whatever it is, he's already had so many good games that it's just like we know that at times we're asking too much of him, but he just keeps producing. And another guy that I feel like often goes overlooked is Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith really brought it tonight. We've talked about how it's like, hey, look, Miles Turner is most definitely the starting center of this team, but we feel good with Jalen Smith as a backup. What could Jalen look like when he steps in in a starter's role? Tonight, he looked really good. Uh, not only did he have the stat line, you know, 19 points, 10 boards, but Alex, he hit that go-ahead three-pointer. Huge. That the it was massive. I mean, the Pacers really never looked back after that. The game was tight, but that three really felt like the difference maker in this game. Obviously, you already talked about the dunk that he had that really put Memphis away. But Jalen Smith, I mean, we we we've mentioned, does he opt out of that player option? I don't know. But on a night like tonight, the Pacers were very lucky to have depth at the center position because Jalen Isaiah. Collectively, that was a really good duo tonight. He played 30 minutes, and he was questionable before the game with a back injury, too. So hopefully he's okay, but I thought he was spectacular in this game tonight. The the shooting three of six from three, like it's it's just Ooh, funny because it's, real. it's it's crazy to think about it. I thought it would dip off at some point, right? So you just I. always thought like the way Jalen Smith is shooting the basketball, like, no, it's a real thing, and it's like Here's Pascal Siakam. I think he actually made the assist to Jalen Smith on that go-ahead three right there. I think it extended the lead to five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, so right. it's all like a blur in my head. Maybe you can find that for me. But I, 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 it was a go-ahead three, so I believe we were tied um, at, the, at the time. Lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it's a big play, and that's a lot of pressure. Like, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders right there for Jalen Smith to be taking that shot. But he stepped up big, and then – you know, like I mentioned, the other play, like that was more Nimhard making that play and Jalen just yeah. being there to catch it and dunk it. But still, you can't deny the two blocks that he had. The block he had on Gigi Jackson was a momentum changer. And it's just little things like that. Jalen Smith is a very animated player. We've seen that a lot this year. If he gets foul calls on him, he's going to react emotionally. I'm surprised he didn't get a technical foul for one of the foul calls that he responded to. But, you know, he's got to do a better job of kind of maintaining his emotions when he doesn't agree with a call or something like that. But Overall, I just love the fight that he plays with. You can tell this guy is like really like he just wears his emotions on his sleeves to a, a little bit. And you can just tell like how he plays the game. You can feel it like he's super emotional and not in a bad way, but it just no. you can just tell like, you know, like you got Ben Matherin, who's more of like a like a silent killer who's mm -hmm. not going to give you much of a reaction. And it takes a lot to get him excited. But man, Jalen Smith, he's going to give you a reaction to the good and the bad. And you just got to, you got to love that because you can just see how much it means to him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Yeah, you, you gotta love it. I mean, you, you want to see some intensity, some reaction. What, what, whether it is smiles or it's you know, even a little bit frustrated. I mean, we've seen Isaiah Jackson get frustrated at times, but you at least know, hey, look, that's a good competitor. That's gonna go hard, and I think that you want to see some sort of reaction. But a few other things to touch on. Ben Shepard's having moments. He's having moments, and it's awesome to see. I mean, he's been uh, really pesky with some of these steals. I, I love it. I mean, tonight, hey, six points. He, he goes two or four from, from three, but I, I just feel like he had a great steal that led to a bucket in, in transition, and, and that, that was awesome. Plays 20 minutes tonight. This this guy, he, he's getting great experience as a rookie, and I feel like he is learning a lot on a nightly basis. Well, you, you got to think about it. He got thrown into a tough spot being the backup point guard tonight for the Pacers with Andrew Nimhard. You know, they played together some, but still there was about 10 minutes there where they had to give Nimhard a breather. So who had to play point guard there? Ben Shepard did. And he did a really good job. You bring up that steal, and we could have probably brought this up with Mather when we talked about him earlier, but Ben Shepard gets a great steal, leads out to a fast break, finds Mather in a transition. Mather and throws down a poster dunk. And then the very yeah. next play, Obi Toppin gets a steal and gets an and one. But it all started with Ben Shepard, and it goes back to like what he did against Denver when he dove on the floor and got the loose ball steal. I think he stole from Jamal Murray, made the layup in transition, probably should have got a foul call there for an and one, didn't yeah. get it, but then hit a three a few possessions later, just kind of showcase like what he can become. And I just think it's interesting to see how much he's really embraced this role and how the team has basically said, hey, we're not sending to the G League anymore. We've been seeing assignment for Jairus Walker, but not Ben Shepard. So That's if true. you were to tell me at the beginning of the year Wouldn't that Ben Shepard would be getting more minutes than Jairus Walker, it is mostly because of his defense, I think we would be completely shocked. <laughs> I think we would be stunned. I mean, that would have been a hot take. And, uh, hey, that that's where we're at right now. So awesome to see. And I wonder what this does for the confidence, you know, for Ben Shepard moving forward. And, and I, I know I, I don't want to overreact over here, but one of the players that, that was a little bit tough tonight was Buddy Heald. And Buddy – That's an really, underreaction. I mean, yes. awful. Yes, Call like it is. He was awful, and it's not just this game, Alex. Over the last four games, Buddy is 7 of 20 shooting from the field, averaging just 20 minutes per game. Yep, He's 4 of 13 from three. There is, there's really nothing to write home about. I mean, in a couple games, there are three, four assists, whatever it is. They're not looking to Buddy Heal to be the assist guy. So I just feel like right now we're seeing – the confidence growing in Ben Shepard. I think the coaching staff is their confidence is growing from, and I think the fan base starting to look over at Buddy, being like, "Hey, we got about just under two weeks left to the trade deadline. You are expiring. I, I just don't know. We're seeing his role being reduced at a time where the Pacers need to make a decision. It's just getting interesting out here. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I I actually applaud Rick Carlisle for cutting cutting his minutes short when he's not playing well. Uh, especially if there's other guys that are more deserving, like, you know, the way that Ben Ben Shepard has played. Ben Matherin was really good in this game. You know, you got to reward the guys that are worthy of the minutes, and you can't force feed 37 minutes to Buddy Hill because he spaces the floor. You can't keep doing that because he's too much of a liability defensively. You know, they can say, like, Buddy is a specialty shooter. Like, that's what his specialty is. But if he's not hitting his shots, then what is his specialty on the floor? He's he's more of a negative than he is a positive. One of eight. You kind of have to have a short leash. And you saw it against Phoenix. He played like 14 minutes overall, didn't even start in the second half, played three total minutes in the second half because it was a nightmare matchup for him. So 
I think that the Pacers like Buddy Hield. I think that Buddy Hield's a good person for the locker room. There's no doubt about that. You can't say anything negative about what Buddy Hield means to that locker room and their team morale. But in terms of on-court play, he was bad tonight. And so I, I just think that, you know, the more and more we see kind of bad Buddy or inconsistent Buddy, it, it's going to lead to him getting a lot less minutes, especially come playoff time. I, th I think so. And we still, you talk about come playoff time, we still got to survive the trade deadline at this point. I, I think that everything is still on the table. Because if, if you want to actually make a real move, the Pacers have two salaries above $9 million. That's Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. One of those players, I don't think there's anything, you, it makes no sense to move. You can't move Turner this year. I feel like, Buddy Heald is that guy that you, you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of take a couple calls and say, well, well, let's mull things over a little bit because right now it's like Buddy Heald has an opportunity where if he was playing really good, you could just say, hey, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But right now, I feel like this Pacers team could get to the playoffs regardless. Obviously, if you are going to move Buddy, you're hoping to bring in someone who's also going to help you win games, and you would have a, you would need three point shooting. So I, I don't know necessarily what they're going to do. In terms of that, but right now we're seeing a, a drastic reduction in minutes for Buddy over the last stretch. I mean, Alex, this month, in the month of January, he's averaging under 11 points per game. Yeah, that's bad. It's it's just not the Buddy heel that we've seen in the past that might have been averaging, you know, 18 points per game or mm -hmm. anything like that. Still a good shooter, but when the shot's not falling, you mentioned it. It's hurting the Pacers, and I think that we have come a long way from the games of 4 of 14 shooting or, you know, 5 of 14. I think that Carlisle is using a little bit of a shorter leash, and I think with the play of Ben Shepard right now, it's just kind of spicing things up a little bit. No, absolutely, and I and I just want to go back because you said there's only two guys making over $9 Over $9 million. million. Oh, well, Pascal Siakam. Yeah, Pascal. Now I just want to make sure people didn't forget about that. He's yeah, not getting traded, it was, obviously. Yeah, he was like completely out of my mind because it's like, <laughs> why would you ever <laughs> trade for Siakam and then trade him again? Yeah, so obviously Siakam, Turner, and Buddy are the only ones making over yep. nine whatever million dollars it is. So that's an interesting thing to look at there. Obviously, Miles Turner is not going anywhere. I think Buddy Hill's the only one in question because he is an expiring contract. They tried to agree to an extension before the season and couldn't do it. So what does that mean for the team? Now, the team might be more desperate to bring him back just because they need another contract like that to trade in the future. Awesome. So you're not having to put all these rookie contracts together to make some decent-sized money. But at the same time, you got to be very careful with the contract you do give him. So we'll see what happens with Buddy Hill moving forward. Um, wouldn't be surprised. But I didn't think Obi Toppin played very well tonight either. I thought there were some really bad moments from Obi Toppin. He got pulled, and I know Rick Carlisle was just livid at one uh, he tried doing a dribble handoff on a screen and roll with, uh, I think it was Nimhart or something, and he basically just gave the ball to the Memphis Grizzly defender and then did not get back on defense and just kind of like watched. And as the play was happening, Rick Carlisle threw his hands up in disgust and just called for, I think it was Jalen Smith to go back into the game. No, it was Pascal. Pascal Siakam to go back into the game. And then I think Matherin fouled Jaron Jackson Jr. on that layup just stupidly for no reason. And so then Carlisle pulled Matherin right out after that too. So I, I think that, you know, it's like Obi Toppin, he's been too good to not put him in the rotation. Obviously shooting like lights out, like 60% from the field, 40% from three, you know, for the season. And he had an awesome game against Phoenix. Like he had the game winning shot. So you're like, man, you know, <laughs> the highs and lows of Obi Toppin, it feels like it's like a roller coaster ride sometimes, but he's just, he's good at some things and some things he's not good at. And when he's 
not doing what he's good at, it's just a kind of a negative out there. So did not think that this matchup against Memphis, a real physical team, was really the greatest matchup for Obi Toppin. And I think he kind of played out that way as well. No, it's true because the only basket he had in this game was, you know, that that steal that we talked mm-hmm. about in transition where he, it was the easiest basket for him. You know, I mean, there was nothing he really had to do to work for that. But at the same point, two turnovers. Zero rebounds, one made shot. I mean, it can't be like that. You can't have more turnovers than rebounds and made shots. I just feel like that's that's going to sum up a, a pretty tough game. But, you know, overall, I think that, hey, you know, Buddy, Obi, they struggled. The rest of the team played real solid. And I think that you could make an argument and just say, oh, come on, it's Memphis. You should have won this game. But Halliburton, Turner, uh, TJ McConnell, they do a lot for the Pacers, and a win is a win regardless of how ugly it looks. The Pacers still held in the 110. It's not like this was some, you know, 130 to 128 shootout by any means. Indiana handled business. Now the next game that they have, they play the Boston Celtics on TNT. Mm. The nation will be watching. I believe that is Tyrese Halliburton's girlfriend's birthday. I believe it is. You would think the man would like to come back and put on a show. I don't know. I'm going to leave that to not only Tyrese, but also the medical staff. But there's just something that makes me feel that it's like, you know what? These nationally televised games don't come around often for Indiana. And when they've been on national television, they've responded. They've made some noise. Now we're going to play a Boston team that, I'm going to be honest, as good as they are, I'm not shaking in my boots. We have beat them twice this year. Anything can happen. If the Pacers can get healthy at the right time, that would be another opportunity to make a statement. And I just feel like it would be awesome to have Halliburton and Siakam together, national television, against the Celtics. I don't know. That sounds like a good time to me. I mean, it sounds like a good time. We'll just have to see what happens. I mean, don't want to rush him back too soon. No, we don't. still hurt because we got to think bigger picture here and not be so short-sighted. With that, but I mean, I'm 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 kind of excited to to see what Halliburton looks like with Siakam again. We saw one game sample size of it, and they look pretty good. It's just like without Halliburton, another win for the Pacers. I think that puts them seven and six now, Flachi, in thirteen games without Tyrese Halliburton this year. So that's which is great in it really itself. Good. That is awesome. I mean, we we talked about before like a broken record how bad things were last year when we didn't have Halliburton. This team is so much better last year that they're not so reliant on their star player. It's amazing to see. You just wonder what could this team be when they're all clicking at the same time. That's what really excites me. Absolutely, Flatchy. So we're not going to end things like we normally do because we have on our fans that want to leave us a message here. So we're going to go ahead and close things out by listening to some of these voice messages, celebrating episode 800. But before we do that, is there anything in terms of our 800 episodes that sticks out to you as one of your favorite moments? I mean, some of the interviews that we've done have just been like stuff that you could have never even dreamed of. Like I've always said before, Jermaine O'Neal, that, that was my, my, my Superman, my superhero, everything like that. Like having Jermaine on super early. I mean, before probably so many of our listeners even heard it, no, but it that was really map. cool. It, it, it was, it was big for us, but also just like, being able to have, you know, Chad Buchanan, Kevin Pritchard, and just really, like, being able to get some of those, like, hey, a big trade's gone down, and we're able to have, you know, 
who better in the front office to break it down? Or Lance Stevenson cracking jokes. I, I just feel that Tyrese Halliburton being on the show. I mean, just things like that are just some of the times that are, uh, you know, the, the best to look back on. Just be like, how did we even pull it off? <laughs> and I just feel like it's it's the listeners that make you and I want to continuously set the bar higher and higher and be like, what, what can we do? What can we do next? But for you, what stands out to you? Yeah, no, I just think it's been the interactions we've been able to have with fans. I think that since we've been doing this more like as a daily podcast instead of just like a couple of times a week, it's been really fun to do like the post-game uh, podcast like we're doing right now, just talk about the game, get a little bit more in-depth. All the great guests we've had on as well, like you're talking about all the players, like it's really cool to see that. Like when Tyrese Halliburton came on this podcast, that was something I never thought would happen, like just how cool he was with us. I mean, we talked about that before. Just an incredibly nice guy, but even everybody else fat. Like Miles Turner, I thought that was a great interview we did. With he him. was awesome. Uh, Chad Buchanan gave us a ton of time. I think we finally loosened up Ben Matherin a little I bit. I think so. Little as bit we did that, um, I was talking to somebody today about when we had Andrew Nimhart on it. We actually loosened him up by talking about cereal. Remember that? Yeah, that got him going. I, that's <laughs> like for you guys listening. The best moment is when you can finally get that player to stop treating this like it's like some you know like tnt interview where you got to be all buttoned up it's like let's have some fun here those are the moments that are the most fun you know for you and i when they they really do start to laugh a little bit and they go "Ah, you know what i I got a story for you and then you're like all right here we go those are the best times yeah but i still think honestly and this probably just silly but lance stevenson might have been the best nice. interview we've had. And that Huge. just says enough about Lance Stevenson. Uh, the Larry Bird story that he told us, how that got, Classic. that blew up. It did. I think it's like 30-some thousand views on YouTube. People were writing articles about that. That's when my video editing was absolutely garbage. Uh, that video is awful come a long way. us. So I will just say, you know, we have come a long way. <laughs> it tells you the growth. But that's the thing. It's like one of those things where we've just kind of done this organically. We've just grown this together. And it's really cool just to kind of see the fruits of our labors be put into this. And, you know, I just honestly kudos to all the people listening to this show that actually give a crap that we have what we have to say about the Pacers, because, you know, who we are nobody. We are just people that talk about the team and we appreciate you all tuning in and giving our opinions, you know, some whatever, you know, you just you value our opinion. Oh, no doubt. You you guys are the best. And just, yeah, like Alex also mentioned, I mean, there's nothing better than when we get to chat with you know whether it's a you know fan of the week trivia whatever and we're hearing like the stories of just like the key memories that you guys have as a pacer fan and what made you a pacer fan. and just being able to connect like that it's just it just makes this show you know that much different and and i just feel that sometimes you know when you guys are remembering inside jokes from things that we talked about so long ago it just really makes you be like wow hey there actually are people who care and that's that's really cool to me so that's why I love when you guys come on for trivia and we really get to see, you know, the face with the the, the Twitter name or the the, the, the yeah. Twitter logo. Like something it's so hard to get a feel for who you're interacting with on social media. But when you come on here, we get a great feel for you. And I love just kind of hearing the, those those little stories that everybody has about sentimental moments. So those are some of the best times that we've had with this show in eight hundred episodes. Absolutely, Flatchy. So today is a great day for us. It's also a great day for the city of Detroit. Pistons beat the number one seed, Thunder. The Lions are beating the 49ers as we're recording this. Uh, not anymore, Alex. Oh. You haven't checked. It's actually 34-24 49ers now. A oh, lot wow. has happened since you last checked. 
Yeah, we've been recording for about a little over an hour now. So I, I was expecting the Detroit, man. It's just a good day for Detroit. I guess not. I guess only one team in Detroit can win. That's how cursed that city is. But Taylor Swift, our girl, she is going to the Super Bowl, Fachi, if she can make it. So, man, I, I, Swifty, man, we are we are Swifties on this podcast. There's no doubt about it. But let's go ahead and bring on our wonderful fans that have a message for us as we close this one out. Alex Fachi, congrats on your 800th episode. Let's go, man. I love your guys' passion for the Pacers. I've been so thankful for your podcast each and every week, each and every day. And let's, as you always say it, let's go Pacers. Hey, Alex. Hey, Fachi. Saying the Pace fam. Uh, this is Chris Weech out of Prophetstown, Illinois. I just wanted to say congratulations on reaching 800 episodes. Uh, it's it's a giant milestone, but honestly, it just feels like the beginning for you guys. Uh, from the first episodes to where we are now, the growth you guys have both shown as podcasters is just absolutely incredible. Uh, the guests that you guys continue to get and just the topics you guys cover, you make not living in Indiana and being a Pacers fan definitely doable. So uh, just keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, we will keep supporting you and this is episode 800, but it feels like 1600 is just right around the corner. So you guys just keep that going, and uh, thank you guys for everything. Wow, who'd ever thought it? 800 episodes. It's been a wild journey. I think we first met back when we were all experiencing or about to experience the Paul George uh, dismissal. Um, which followed by, you know, the arrival of the Oladipo experience, which allowed us to experience the Oladipo dismissal. Um, then we had the Tabernus, uh, situational dilemma where fans are choosing each other. Um, and then breaking up to that, that led to Halliburton, which is the experience that we're experiencing now, which I must say is a good experience because now, we get national TV games, um, people wanting to come to Indiana. It's just a great time. Mama, I pray for times like this. But anyway, setting the pace is going to the top. In fact, that's a lie. We already at the top, mountaintop. Um, so I look forward to the next 800, more texts, questions, mailbags, and um, yeah, championships. I will talk to y'all later. Alex and Fachi, congratulations on the 800th episode of Setting the Pace, the go-to Pacers podcast. This is Rooster and Little Rooster. We just got back from the Mad Ants game, and we're sending this video. So thank you for the great coverage. Love listening to the podcast, and look forward to listening to a lot more as the Pacers continue to win and go from there. So, Little Rooster, if you're excited for the 800th episode of Setting the Pace podcast, hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Alex and Fauci, congrats on 800 episodes. We love the consistency of the show, the fresh ideas, and especially the trivia. Straight from the basement, we just want to say, Let's go Pacers!
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.